Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. In the process of them gearing up to say something or to let us know, they are also bracing themselves for some additional shame and they're bracing themselves for rejection. They actually expect that they will be rejected. They need to know that um, no matter what, even if we don't agree with them, we still love and accept them. They are our child. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Last week's episode explored the reality that parenting is messy. It's incredible, yet challenging and difficult as well. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about when parenting is extremely messy, like prodigal child messy. My guest, Lori Wildenberg, understands this, and I asked her to come back to both share her story and the wisdom that she's learned walking out her story. Helping families build connections that last a lifetime is Lori's passion. As a licensed family and parent educator and coach, Lori is the author of five books, including Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal a Way Home. Lori leads the popular Moms Together Facebook page and co-hosts the Moms Better Together podcast. Welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast, Lori. Oh, I'm so glad to be back with you, Jill. It's my great joy. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, Lori, I'm so grateful that you are willing to share your journey openly. And uh, because what often happens, I know, is when parents face really challenging issues, they often suffer alone, don't they? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, It's so true. So, what has happened is I have realized when our kids get older, you're right, parents suffer alone. When when our kids mm. are younger, we're more likely to say, hey, you know, my baby's not sleeping well, or I'm having trouble with potty training, um, those sort of things. But as the child gets older and the issues get deeper and bigger and have greater consequences, Parents tend to hold that to themselves. I had a, a I was teaching a class um, at my church as I was working on the book Messy Journey, mm-hmm. and um, in the class at the the first day of the class, we went around the room and everybody said why they were in the class, why they were yes. a part of this prodigal class, 
And this one couple started off, and they said that um, they were estranged from their daughter, and she had made some lifestyle choices um, and things that they were not comfortable with or you know happy about, and they were very concerned about it. And then after everyone else shared that the husband of the couple raised his hand again and and he said, I just want you to know that we've been on this journey for seven years and we have not told a soul until tonight. Wow. Seven years. You know, of course, God's perfect number, you know, but Mm -hmm. nevertheless, that isn't how we've been created, right? He wants to help us. He wants us to reach out to safe people. You know, not everyone, (laughs) but certain people um, Mm -hmm. for help. And what a tragic thing that even in church, and maybe sometimes even especially in church, people are not sharing their journeys. And Mm -hmm. many of us, and probably most of us, will have kids that will step off the expected path. That it's part of life, you know. Yeah, it is. And I, it is the part of parenting that I think we, we don't expect. Because, um, you know, when you and I talked in the last episode, we talked about we think if we do A plus B plus C, we will get D. And the truth is uh, that you, what I've learned is when we are intentional about the way we raise our kids, it is. Uh, increases the possibility that they will make similar choices in adulthood that to the way that they were raised. But yeah. it's not an assurance. It's <laughs> not an assurance. And the other thing I also know is that it um, that when our kids go off the path as adults, because of the way we did raise them, if if we raised them with intentionality, they do know true north, and they know mm-hmm. how they know how to get back to it. So it's easier for them to get back to it than somebody who wasn't raised with a sense of true north. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough it's a tough thing when they wander off the path and you feel like you've done it right. And I, and I remember thinking. Gosh, what's the deal, Lord? You know, I, you know, raised this, this, my daughter in the way that um, I thought was honoring to you. And I've been praying against, you know, her sin propensity for years. And yet here she is in the middle of this. And um, it sort of, to me, felt like God let go of his end of the bargain, you know, Mm -hmm. and and what I didn't realize is he was perhaps because he had sort of given me a heads up as to, you know, what my young adult may struggle with, that I thought that that was so I could pray against it so it wouldn't happen. But perhaps he was preparing me <laughs> to be able to, you know, handle things with um, some grace and compassion and truth. Um, in the midst of some hard stuff, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I kind of felt like God let down, you know, let me down at first until I was a little further into the journey. 
Mm, I think that's important. I, you know, I was thinking, why is it that so many parents suffer in silence? And maybe it is because they're wrestling uh, with their own mm-hmm. faith as well. Uh, I think sometimes also because we feel responsible, we feel like it reflects poorly upon mm-hmm. us, or we feel responsible in some way, um, not recognizing that really our children do grow up and they make their own choices and mm-hmm. um, and they have to have the freedom to figure some things out mm-hmm. for themselves. Yeah, um, I, there's a lot of shame wrapped up in having a prodigal having someone that has wandered off the path. And mm-hmm. um, like you said, they people think it's a reflection on them, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's pretty rough because that, um, that shame causes us not to reach out for help. Yes, I would agree. You know, in my book, Empty Nest Full Life, I shared um, very openly uh, about um, just several of the challenges that we have faced with adult kids. Um, uh, We have a son that struggles with mental health issues, um, a son that was married and then um, uh, went through a divorce and came out gay. Um, we've had, uh, a daughter that has walked away from faith and, um, those are all very, very challenging and things that I just never thought my motherhood journey was going to be a part of, but I'm so glad that I, you know, number one, my kids have been willing to allow me to share their story publicly, which I'm so grateful for. I think that we can share one-on-one with other families, like sitting across having a cup of coffee with someone, I think we can do that. Uh, we don't always need our kids' permission to uh, in those settings. I don't feel, but if I'm going to stand on a stage and talk about it, I ask, I absolutely need that. And I know, I know that your daughter has also uh, uh, been willing to allow her story to be shared, which we'll share a little bit later in the the podcast. But one of the things that um, that you say is that there's a typical question parents ask when their kids have detoured off of the expected path. And that's, that's the typical question, but maybe it's not the best question to yeah. ask. So what's we that? Al- we always want to know why, <laughs> why God, why is this happening? And, you know, it's not a bad question because mm-hmm. perhaps we do need to Look at, you know, at the whys, um, if there's something that could be adjusted or if we need to ask for forgiveness for, you know, for some way that we may have handled something. Um, but really the better question, um, the why is a good question for the prodigal to ask himself or herself. But the why question is maybe not the best question for a parent to ask. A lot of times we ask it not only because we want a reason, because if we think we have a reason, then we're going to be able to solve the problem. And oh. right, and we, we want the problem solved. And, or perhaps we want to blame somebody for it. Um, mm-hmm. and, or even take the blame ourselves. And the, but the why isn't the best question. It's a question. A better question is, how do I respond in a way that honors the Lord and demonstrates love to my child? How can I show grace and truth in this situation? 
And then another, an additional question is, okay, there's the how, how do I do that? And sort of the now what? Okay, because here we are. Now what, Lord? Now what do I do? Um, And when we have a prodigal, that now what is a pretty important question because that the answer to that question is sort of situational and and it really depends on not just circumstances but your child's personality as well mm-hmm. cuz now um now what could be answered perhaps you need to be like the the father in the story of the prodigal son and mm-hmm. you know anticipate anticipate and wait but don't chase mm-hmm. after and 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 wait with you know great anticipation that that child is going to return or sometimes the lord has us be like the shepherd with the the one of the 99 that wandered off and you chase that one down and there are two ways to respond to a prodigal and those are the two ways and they're two very different and um sometimes it even depends on the day am i Am I yes. the shepherd or am I the father today? Which way do I respond? So, um, really, and this a lot is where of prayer. this is where faith really mm-hmm. is an important part of the journey, right? Yeah. Because we need God to give us our marching orders for the day, or the and sometimes season. they're the opposite of what we think. Like my mm-hmm. natural inclination is to say, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, what yep. is going on here? But what I found is the Lord did a little more work if I kept a guard over my mouth and just didn't say a lot. Now, that was pretty hard sometimes, you know. So sometimes the Lord calls us to do what's the opposite of what our natural inclination is. Yes. Well, I mean... You know, the Bible talks about walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And when we walk in the flesh, it's doing what we feel like doing or what we want to do. And when we walk mm-hmm. in the spirit, it's doing what God wants us to do. And man, there's like a, there's a battle inside of us because mm-hmm. we kind of want to do what we want to do. But really, we do better when we do things the way God wants us to. Yeah, sometimes we have to step out of the way, you know, yeah. and, and let let God do his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes with a prodigal, sometimes we actually do get in the way. Like we um we try to rescue or fix things and rather than let some of those natural consequences play out, which is pretty hard. Pretty hard sometimes to do that. And and so that isn't always the case. Again, sometimes we're meant to go and get that sheep and carry them back, you know, but mm-hmm. um, you really have to be seeking the Lord's guidance because, um, and for me, it was different in different situations with, you know, with our daughter. So, mm-hmm. well, and I know, um, you know, you and I talked in the last episode about the difference between helping and enabling. And I think, uh, you know, this is really important when our kids start to launch because, man, there's just so many places where we want to swoop in and we want to help, but we actually be- begin to enable. And I, I remember, so we had one son um, that we were uh, uh, dealing with um, 
I mean, just a lot of poor choices, uh, a lot of mental health challenges. And, um, and so at one point, um, we allowed him to live with us again. Mm -hmm. And, um, when he was living here, we found out he was using drugs and that was one of the stipulations of living at home. Um, we dealt with that in several different ways and it didn't, nothing changed it. And we had to, the question we ended up asking ourselves is, is our help helping? Yeah. Because or is it he hurting? Would, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. he was just, he was just as unemployed as he was when he first came to live with us and, and he was still using. And so the things that we were, you know, we had to look at it and go, well, I don't think our help is actually helping. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, you know, gave him um, a, an amount of time that he had to find a new place. And when he didn't, um, you know, D-Day came and we said, would you, would you like us to drive you to the homeless shelter? Um, and he said no. And he took off and he was homeless. That was so, mm-hmm. so difficult. But looking back, I now see how that hard season was an important part of his journey. And he now has an apartment and he now is functioning. He, he still struggles, but he's in a much better place than he was um, at that point in his life. And even that hard decision to not help because we realized we yeah. weren't helping, we were enabling Oh, Jill, uh, I can journey. so relate to that. That is, uh, my my heart's just aching for what you guys went through because that is, that is a really hard thing to do. And we had a situation um, with our daughter, you know, the one whose voice is in Messy Journey, who helped, she actually helped me write it. Um, and like your kids, she's given me permission to t- speak publicly about this stuff. But... Um, one of the things where mm-hmm. we had to make a really hard decision, it was so awful. And she was in college and also living with her significant other. And we had told her mm-hmm. that you can't be in college and live with someone, right? We will help pay for college mm-hmm. And um, you can use this car. And we told her all the things we would do, but she could not be living with someone during, you know, who wasn't just a roommate, right? Mm-hmm. Who was a romantic interest. Mm-hmm. And, and she, well, what we realized is she gives up a lot for love. She decided she was going to take plan B, not plan A. And so we took the car back, and we stopped paying for college. Um, oh, it was, hor- it was a horrible time. Mm. And then um, at one point, uh, she and her um, significant other at the time came to our house. It might have been for Mother's Day or Easter, I forget. And, uh, and they, as they were driving off, they, ca- they returned, and they came back to the house and asked if they asked Tom, you know, the dad who wants to protect his daughter and doesn't ever want to 
feel like he's not doing a good job of protecting his daughter. They asked him for some gas money, and he said, "I'm just so sorry. I can't. I can't give you any." And it it was so awful. Oh my gosh! It and he came in. He was just in such a. Tom just felt so terrible, but that was actually the beginning of of the end of you know that particular relationship that relationship was not god's best for our daughter and it was also highly toxic and somewhat abusive and we were very concerned for our daughter's safety um but it saying no to that and doing like what you did i mean it it ripped our hearts out it was awful oh it just does yes it it does and um i would say no, no parent is prepared for that um at all because our heart is to help but sometimes the helping doesn't help and that's um so important for us to understand and that's when we have to we do have to draw boundary lines but we can do it in love um and uh you know that was not um you know, uh, when we offered to, to drive our son to the homeless shelter, um, I mean, that was the most loving thing we could do in that moment. Um, and he chose not, obviously, to take it, but um, so, so difficult. So one of the things you say in Messy Journey is that there are some things that our prodigals fear, and there are some things that our prodigals need to know. So let's talk about that, because I think that often when we're in the prodigal journey as parents, we're most familiar with what's <laughs> going true. on with us. Yes. Right? We're just most familiar with, and we know, and we're also most familiar with the wisdom that would change would. things for our child, <laughs> but we're probably, it would, yeah. but we're probably least familiar with what's going on yeah. inside of our child. So let's talk well, about when that we either bit. discover or our children tell us their prodigal issue. Um, if they have told us what's going on with them, like, you know, your, your son coming out and, and the same with my daughter, um, when they have told us their, their prodigal mm -hmm. issue, they've lived with this for a long time and they've thought a lot about what to say when. And we we are surprised sometimes by what, what they have to say or what we've discovered. And in the process of them gearing up to say something or to let us know, they are also bracing themselves for some additional shame and they're bracing themselves for rejection. They actually expect that they will be rejected. And our kids need to know, mm. no matter what they're going through, and just you know, just like we talked in the podcast last week about um, that's okay. Everybody spills. I'll help you clean it up. They need to know that um, no matter what, even if we don't agree with them, we still love and accept them. They are our child, and they need to know that without condition, we love them. Now, our help on the other hand, yes. has conditions, just as yours did, right? There are conditions to helping, but there are no conditions mm -hmm. to loving. 
And they need to know that and that they mm-hmm. aren't being rejected and that we will come alongside. They, they need to know that they are valued by God, that they are important, no, even when yes. and even if they mess up. And, you know, I just, all you have to do is think of David in scripture who knew the Lord well, you know, he, and um, a man after God's own heart, even, and he still messed up pretty darn big. Um, and yet he was still valued and still important in God's kingdom. And he still was created for a purpose and mm. on purpose, even in the midst of him making some pretty, pretty horrific choices, pretty some pretty bad choices. And for our kids also to mm-hmm. know that whatever whatever their sin propensity, whatever tempts them or whatever they've engaged in, no matter what they've engaged in, they are not defined by that. They, they need to know that their identity mm-hmm. and how they are defined and identified is as a child of God, not by a particular behavior. The enemy, he's the one that calls us by our sin, not God. God calls us by our name. And we are precious in his sight, whether we have messed up or not. And he will continue to draw us close. Um, And for our kids to realize that Mm. even in the midst of their messy journey, they are on a journey and they can alter their course if if they so choose to. And nobody's stuck. We're not stuck. We can always switch things up, just like your son was able to switch things up, and now you know he got his own apartment and he was able to move forward. But he had to take a couple different turns in order to do mm-hmm. that. He sure did, yeah. So, um, you know, I think where a lot of the challenges happen is when what our kids are doing they don't feel is wrong, and. And so, or, you know, our perspective about it and their perspective, it might be living with, uh, living with a significant other and not being married. It might be doing Mm -hmm. drugs, um, you know, which there's so even so many messages now that some drugs have been legalized and, you know, there, I mean, there's, we just sit in different places on so many different issues. Um, and so oftentimes what happens is if you don't agree with me, then you don't accept me. How do mm-hmm. we get around that? And how do you respond to that statement? You don't accept me. Yeah. Well, we've had that statement fly around our house. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and what I will consistently say as I speak truth, I fully accept you and you know that I don't agree with you. And we each get to have our own beliefs, we get to have our own opinions, and we get to figure out how we live out our faith. And that's respectful of each individual. And we need to make sure that we are being respectful, mm-hmm. right? And I want respect. If I am behaving in a respectful manner, I expect respect in return. Mm-hmm. And I mean, gosh, think of 
well, gosh, think of your your marriage, Jill. You you and Mark, you're opposites, right? And mm-hmm. you had just done that one thing on Instagram where it showed, <laughs> you know, your your tea, he's coffee. Your introvert, he's extrovert. Right. You know, all of these things. Even in your marriage, which is your closest relationship, and you don't agree with everything. Mm-mm. In fact, there's probably a lot of stuff you don't agree on, but you figure out how to live together. Yes. And and that's what I would say to Courtney if she would say, you don't accept me, because she was buying into this lie that I had to agree with her in order to accept her. And no way. I, I don't have to agree with her, but I will always accept and love her, always. And I expect the same respect in return, mm-hmm. that... Even if she doesn't agree with me, she still loves and accepts me. It's not just a one-way street. And they need to understand that that's how a family functions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would um, state it pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, you know, it really is. Um, I think sometimes what happens with parents is they think also that if I accept you, it will mean I'm agreeing with you. That's true too, because there's that the extreme of um, if I if I do this, then you're not going to understand what truth is. Yes, and and but that's and that's not right. No, it's not. And and that is the one. In fact, I can remember um, our son a conversation that we had um, with him, and he said to me one day, "You know, mom." You guys don't agree with me, but you love me. You have mm-hmm. no idea how many of my gay friends don't have that from their Christian parents. Yeah, there's a lot of shunning that can go on. There really mm-hmm. is, uh, for a lot of Sad. reasons. I mean, not just mm-hmm. um, maybe same-sex attraction or, um, uh, you know, gender identity issues. I mean, it's even... It can be living with a boyfriend and yeah. and uh, living with a girlfriend. I mean, it's just, it, it can be all kinds of issues. And we shut the door on the relationship mm-hmm. thinking that we're doing uh, it a service. But the truth is, when we shut the door, we lose the opportunity first mm-hmm. to love um, and even second uh, to yeah, influence just through lifestyle and relationship. Absolutely. So we mm-hmm. want to maintain that relationship. And I think it is so very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we have a prodigal, what, whatever that looks like, you know, I mean, walking away from faith or, you know, using and abusing drugs, you know, substance abuse, or, you know, um, living with someone or or perhaps getting getting pregnant out of wedlock or you know the um you know I'm gay any of those things that don't line up with the, the way that um we would hope that our kids would embrace life and the way that they would go those are the moments where we need to be building that bridge yes rather than tearing it down mm-hmm. and all we have to do is think of ourselves and how we have not always honored the Lord with what we've done. If we can remember our prodigal moments, because I believe everybody's got them. Yep. And um, if we can remember that 
And, you know, there's certainly some things that have bigger consequences than others. Sure. But I think we need to have humility in this situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Scripture even says, you know, what good is it if if you love someone who just loves you back right away? Or, you know, if you're lined up exactly. The bigger, stronger love is the love in the harder situations where, you know, they may even have turned their back somewhat on you. Yes. And um, yes, that is big love. Yes, it sure is. And I'll tell you, that's the love I learned during our dark marriage season, you know, because mm-hmm. after I found out about my husband's infidelity and I begged God to tell me what to do, I heard only one thing. I want you to love him. And oh, and so hard, but... Uh, yeah. And what I realized mm-hmm. is up to that point in my life, I had only known how to love someone who was loving you back. I had mm-hmm. never loved someone that wasn't loving me back. And so God used that hard season to teach me how to do that. And um, in fact, I did a whole... Uh, episode on that. I'll make sure that we include that in the show notes for anybody listening that needs to know how to love someone who's hard to love. Um, because uh, that is not, uh, it's not easy. But it's often what needs to happen when we're dealing with a prodigal. Yeah. When you think of um, some of the things that Courtney shared in Messy Journey, What's just one or two things that she shared that was an important part of her journey and her connection to your family? You know, the biggest, most profound thing um, was her words, never give up. Oh. Yeah. And um, when we were doing our... um, book release party at church. And a friend of mine came over to Courtney and said, what do you, what do you hope parents get out of this book? What's the message? And she said, well, the message is to never give up. Mm. And she said, I always knew I could go home. I always knew I could go home because you never gave up. Wow. And that, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I knew, you know, because I did a lot of pursuing. And there were times that we didn't, you know, times where we were like the prodigal father and we, you know, of the, fa- the prodigal son and we waited. But I did a lot of pursuing. And she needed to know that no matter what, we were there. No matter what. And that I would continue to pursue her. And she knew I wasn't going to give up. And that was the way that she knew it was okay to come home when that particular relationship ended. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, my guess is there were times you pursued her and you didn't hear from her. Oh, and my and what painful. often happens is is we take that personally. We make that about us, mm-hmm. and we feel we see that as rejection. And then that gets our heart all skewed, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Jill, I can think of when she was estranged from us for a period of time. And there were some times I didn't know where she was. Yes. And those were so painful. And I can remember laying in bed 
thinking, I, I, I can't even get out of bed. And then I started saying, um, I mean, it, it did me in. And I, I started saying, this is the, the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Mm-hmm. And that worked for about a week. <laughs> and, and then then I was kind of mad at God because I wasn't rejoicing in it. And I was thinking, this is the day you've made, Lord. You can fix this. <laughs> and so so that was a little hard for me. Um, but then the Lord nudged me to read that entire psalm, Psalm 118, the entire psalm. And what do you know? The psalmist is in a battle for his life. Mm. And it was a way worse battle than I was in, even though I thought mine was pretty devastating. He was in a worse one. And in the middle of this psalm, that's what he said. And that helped me to remember, okay, I can say this this psalm now and mean it. Mm. And then I had a pretty cool experience that I want to share with you, Jill, um, because God is near to the brokenhearted, yes. right? We know that. Mm-hmm. He tells us this. And I was brokenhearted over this estrangement. It was so painful. And I've got a friend that I pray with every Tuesday, and we've done it for 12 years. Wow. And every Tuesday we get together to pray, and I would share with her what was going on with Courtney and you know where... I didn't know where she was. Yes. And and it was so awful. Yes. And so, you know, and I had gotten to the place too where I, I just flat out couldn't pray and I sort of didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And she would pray for me. And after we got done praying at one point, and I would highly recommend to anyone who has a prodigal to find your Elizabeth, your person to go to, like Mary did, right? your person, your trusted person that you can pray with and share your stuff yes. with. But as I, um, after we got off the phone, at the time we had our dog Murphy, who was a Labradoodle. And um, I was taking Murphy for a walk and praise God for Murphy because he got me out out of my wanting to stay in bed. Sure, <laughs> right. And yeah, and so... We were walking, um, I was just stepping off the concrete driveway onto the blacktop, and I noticed a penny. And I, I just kept going, right? And But then the penny started to bother me. And I started thinking about this penny, and I think of my son, Jake, and he would have picked up, he picks up any loose coins, right? And <laughs> And and my my friend Pam, she would have picked it up because she loves the message in God we trust, and she collects pennies. Mm. So I thought, okay, that penny is precious. I'm going to come back and pick up that penny. And when Murphy and I made our way back to the house, and I bent down to pick up the penny that was sitting right in front of my driveway on the blacktop, I noticed there was another penny. And then I noticed another one and another one. And another one, Jill, there were 37 pennies. Oh, my goodness. I saved them. Oh, my goodness. 37 pennies. What in the world? So, of course, I came in, got on Bible Gateway, and Googled how many times trust in God is in the Bible. And it was said 38. So <laughs> You went back. I, did you go you know back looking for the other penny? Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. So I whipped back out there to go see if I could find that 38th penny, and it wasn't there. And I thought, well, that's annoying (laughs) because it should be there. So then Tuesday rolled around, 
And I was telling my friend Vicky, the gal that I pray with every Tuesday, I was telling her about this whole penny thing. And she was like, well, maybe you weren't meant to find the 38th penny. And I was like determined that, yes, of course I was meant to find that. And she's like, well, do you know what my favorite um, chapter in the Bible is? And I'm like, well, we've been praying a long time, but I'm sorry to say I have no clue what your favorite chapter in the Bible is. And she said, it's Psalm 37. I think you need to look that up. We got off the phone And if you have ever read Psalm 37, which I'm going to recommend to anybody who has a prodigal, it is all about trusting in God. Wow. And if I'd found that 38th penny, I would have been satisfied, right? But I I didn't. And it was so, yeah. Wow. I love that. Then I had that psalm behind me. So we need our Elizabeth. (laughs) Yes. We do. We need, yes. And I, I have that in a, a friend um, as well that um, she also has a, a son that has challenges and um, just so grateful that we can share that. But you know what? Mm-hmm. It, you have to be willing to risk sharing yeah. your truth with someone mm-hmm. to find that, right? Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. the scary part. Um, is yeah. that, um, that, you know, we have to be willing to share the story in some way. And it may, it may mm-hmm. be that it's not that person, but it, sometimes that person might be the connecting person because they might, they might be, oh my goodness, you really need to talk to this person because they're going mm-hmm. through the exact same thing. And so they may be a connect the dots person. Yeah, Absolutely. There is a little, there's a risk to it, and we have to be smart in who we choose to share some of these tender things of the heart with. Yes. Because, you know, you could get a whole different response, or, you know, there could be other things that occur that you wouldn't have wanted. You need a safe person. Yes. So we have to be wise in, in who that trusted friend is. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Laura, you also say that there are some things that parents of prodigals need. Obviously, a trusted friend is one of those. What are some other things, uh, as we kind of bring things to a close here, that a parent, that parents of prodigals need? You know, you have to be able to um, do some, and, and this has gotten to be such a big topic, but it, it really is true. You have to do some self-care stuff. Because um, you can get so sucked into this that climbing out of bed is really a mm. challenge. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do some self-care things. Um, I would say for married couples, don't always talk about the thing. <laughs> mm. and, and, and we want to talk about the thing. And particularly women, we really want to talk about the thing. And... Often our husbands, if they can't solve it, they'll talk about it for a minute. You know, they want the cliff note version. They don't want to like delve into it. Like as women, we like to do that. Um, Which is why that that... friendship is so valuable. Yes, exactly. The friendship is huge. And your relationship with your husband cannot be all about that prodigal. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something else. And mm. what I have challenged parents that I've worked with is for them to actually go have a date night and not once 
talk about the thing. <laughs> yes. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm. But to reconnect in a way that isn't about that particular child, because that child can suck it all out of you. Yes. And it can all be all about that child if you let it. So you have to be able to put it in its proper box. Yes. Oh, and yes. Don't neglect your other children because yes. of this. We can get on autopilot, right? Okay, this this kid's good, so they don't need me right now. This kid's going fine. This one's having issues. Try to keep it in perspective. Mm-hmm. And to not get so sucked in to that one child. Yes. Um, those are some really, I think, really healthy boundaries. Um, even forgiving yourself for things that perhaps played a part or forgiving your spouse that might've played a part in this prodigal journey. Mm-hmm. There could be something. Yes. And then in the process, ask your prodigal for forgiveness if that's an appropriate thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because we could have participated. It could be part of our interaction with that child. We could be one of the cogs in that wheel. Mm-hmm. you know. And so we need to be able to own up to that. Yes. And I, I think getting help, too, you know, um, seeking out either, you know, perhaps a counselor or, or maybe someone else, um, you know, a mentor, maybe someone who's gone through something similar. I think those are all really helpful things. And that a prayer partner, when you can't pray, mm-hmm. you know, yes. to, to have someone, I think yeah. those are, I think those are really critical. Yes, yes. You know, I remember when um, I, uh, our son has had um, multiple suicide attempts. And, um, and I had to take a trip after one of those suicide attempts. And, um, and I was meeting uh, a woman that I knew, but I didn't know her really well. And I didn't know her story. And somehow we ended up on the, the topic and she said something to me that at the time seemed incredibly harsh, but I ended up taking her wisdom. Um, she had had a prodigal. She had had a son that had also struggled with suicide attempts and, um, and, and different mental health issues. And she said, because I said to her, I feel like he hijacks our life. He hijacks everything. So like my trip got hijacked. I, I wasn't yeah. able to leave the day that I needed to leave because I mm-hmm. was at the hospital. And But this happened all the time. And she said to me, you know, Jill, I, I want to encourage you that the next time it happens, you go to the hospital, you give him a kiss on the cheek, you tell him how much you love him, you pray with him and for him, and 15 minutes later, you walk out the door. And you go back to your life. And that was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. But that was such wisdom because I needed, I, it, I really had to, uh, she uh, said that's called lovingly detaching. So you're not detaching from the person, but you are detaching right. from their problem. And yeah. that was so helpful to me. So such good wisdom, Lori, on all of those things that parents of prodigals need. I love that. Thanks. Uh, so where can people find you online, Lori? Um, they can find your book. Obviously, there's a link to your book. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but where can they find you online? 
Uh, LoriWildenberg.com, L-O-R-I-W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Um, you can find me there. You can also find me like all over Facebook. So <laughs> Lori Wildenberg um, and also on the Moms Together page and group on Facebook. And then I'm also on Instagram, uh, Lori Wildenberg on Instagram and Moms Together on Instagram. Um, I also uh, have been doing a podcast produced by Life Audio um, called Moms Better Together. And um, you can also find me there. I love that. Very cool. Okay. Um, I just be, you know, this is a heavy topic. Uh, Would you, would you be willing to close in prayer for those that are listening that have a prodigal? Okay, let's do that. Oh, Father God, thank you for this time with Jill. And thank you for the people that you have brought to listen to this podcast. And I pray that you um, encourage them through these words and and through Jill's experience and through my experience, Father, to never give up Mm -hmm. and to continue loving those kids Mm -hmm. and also to do it in a a healthy way. And for us, sometimes, Lord, we have to step out of the way and trust you because, God, help us to remember that as much as we love our children, as passionately as we love our children, Father, you love them even more. Yes, Lord Jesus. And help us to remember that this prodigal journey, it's not the end. Father, this might just be the journey that brings our children back to you. Yes, So help us to have the strength to go through this journey, and for us to be able to have the faith to mm-hmm. trust in you. Mm-hmm. And um, Lord, I just pray that uh, each person listening draws closer to you in the midst of this great hardship. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free ebooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.